This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Thursday, March 16th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, public health launches fentanyl testing program, county gives road project the green light, Parks and Rec discusses commercial use fee for town park, and a mountain weather forecast. But first... We all have budget numbers in our head. The monthly Netflix bill, cable TV, your cell phone, even what you might spend on beer and food at the festivals this summer. Create your Kodo budget now and invest in this essential service. Go to koto.org to donate. And thank you. San Miguel County, like many parts of the country, have seen an increase in challenges when it comes to opioids and substance overdose. There's two different problems that are occurring. Um, I think the more commonly known one is that in the early 2000s, opioids were being prescribed at really high rates. They're highly addictive, and um, it's caused a huge opioid epidemic. Um, And as that's really been being addressed, people are prescribing more carefully. There's more education about prescription medication. San Miguel County Public Health Director Grace Franklin. A second hand of this epidemic is occurring where um, fentanyl, which is a type of opioid, is being put into recreational drugs um, to cut it and, you know, bulk up the um bulk up the drugs so you can um, sell more for less cost. As such, Franklin says it's important individuals know what's in the substances they're using. If anybody is taking any kind of substance besides something directly prescribed to them, they should be testing to see if fentanyl is in the drug so they can make educated choices about their drug use. With that, San Miguel County Public Health has launched a new program to allow members of the community to test substances for fentanyl themselves. We have free fentanyl test strips at the public health department for anybody to pick up um, confidentially. No judgment, no questions asked. They're right in the front. You don't even have to talk to us if you don't want to and just take them and go. And we have instructions available as well. Um, With those, what you do is you take a small amount of um, whatever drug you plan to be using, about a matchstick head size of it. Um, If it's a pill, you scrape a little bit of it off, powder or liquid. And then you dilute it with a little bit of water, um, and it's this little dipstick. kind of looks like a pregnancy test. You dip it in um, for 10 seconds and then let it um, lay out for two minutes. And then it has um, the test results of whether fentanyl is in it or not. Franklin notes the tests are not 100% accurate, so she still urges caution for those using the substance. The keys are go slow, use with friends, or don't use alone. Um, Always carry Narcan on you. And then um, if somebody is, um, does overdose, um, call 911 immediately. Narcan, that piece Franklin says to have on hand, is the second piece of the new program. Naloxone is a type of medication that's an opioid reversal. Um, and there's two different brands, but the most commonly known one is Narcan. Um, and it is a nasal spray that if you see somebody who's unconscious or overdosing, you can um, provide this nasal spray. And within two to three minutes, it can bring somebody out from an overdose. So it's it's 100% a lifesaver. We think about it like a fire extinguisher or a life jacket. And really to be able to have it on hand can save lives. Public Health also has Narcan available for free for individuals to pick up and have on hand should they need it. 
Franklin notes Narcan will not have an adverse effect for those who are not having an overdose. The way the medication works is it removes the opioid from the brain's, like, the receptor it's sitting on. And so there's no harm to be give, to give somebody too much of it or to give somebody Narcan that's not having an overdose. Um, really, so if you see anyone unconscious or if you suspect an overdose, um, it, it can it can only help, right? You call EMS, um, you check to see if they're awake and breathing and provide them Narcan. From a public health standpoint, Franklin doesn't recommend individuals participate in dangerous substances, but she does want to ensure the community stays as safe as possible. Public health is really on the education, prevention, and then harm reduction philosophy. And so, yeah, ideally in a perfect world, um, People wouldn't have substance use disorders. People wouldn't be um, using any kind of substance, even alcohol, right, that can harm your body. Um, But the reality is that's not the reality. Um, And so if someone's going to be using any kind of drug, how can we give them the tools to do it as safe as possible and then also have resources um, to um, help protect themselves and their friends and family? Fentanyl strips and Narcan are both available for free at the Public Health Department in the Miramonte building on Main Street. There is also an alley entrance available. Measuring only about half a mile long, a certain strip of dirt road out east of Telluride has been the cause of much concern for San Miguel County commissioners over the past few months. That's because the county's been developing plans to pave the section of the road. As KOTO's Gavin McGough reports, the paving is now ready to move forward, at least in part. With any luck, this coming spring will be the last mud season ever for a short strip of county road east of Telluride between the Pandora development and the Bridal Vales Trail parking lot. Known as Road K69, the section maintained by the county is currently dirt, but it's slated to be paved over this spring. Ryan Rigetti, who manages road and bridge projects for San Miguel County, came before the county commissioners this week to present them with a contract for the paving project. So this is just committing us to to, uh, completing the work and authorizing them to start working on the road. So this is intended to move kind of quickly. We're hoping, keeping our fingers crossed that everything goes real smoothly. Um, if everything does, then we're looking at, uh, at an early May paving date. So sometime in the beginning of May is when we're hoping to be at that stage to where we can start paving. The road is mostly used by recreators hiking up into the Bridal Vale Basin or folks driving the Black Bear Pass. The project will aim to be wrapped up before the high tourist season, Rigetti says. Well, our, our, our hope is that we can get all of that done before, before we get into, this, into the busy season of, yeah, yeah. of the late spring and summer. Um, it'll still be, it'll be open. I mean, it won't be closed, closed. There'll still be, it'll still be open, but okay. there will be quite a bit of construction activity in there. Project plans have been months in the making. Still, even with grant funding secured and the contractor ready for hire, much remains up in the air. Commissioners have expressed a desire to pave the parking lot at the base of the Bridal Vale path as part of the project. But as County Manager Mike Bordonia explains, unlike the road, the parking lot is not actually their land to pave. It's largely Idorado's property that would be the subject of any additional paving in the parking lot. The mining company has expressed an interest in working with the county to seed the parking lot so it can be paved. 
but those conversations have not been finalized and no agreement exists. Additionally, the county is hoping the town of Telluride will pitch in to help pay for the paving of the parking lot. Bordonia explains. I also reached out to Scott Robson at the town about a potential cost split of that because the estimate was approximately $75,000 for the additional paving. Um, as I understand, Ryan had talked to United and they would be able to do the additional paving if we do have the legal agreements and potentially additional funding agreements in place by then. The county is eager to complete the paving of the lot while they have a contractor on hand and doing work in the immediate area. But it remains unclear if all the legal and financial pieces will fall into place on time. In a separate concern, County Commissioner Hillary Cooper wonders about speeding and traffic safety in the area. Are there traffic calming plans in place? Once you pave a road, people speed up and there's a lot of bikers, hikers, dogs, et cetera, up there. So um, is maybe the the cluster group coming up with some traffic calming uh, measures that can be put in place for when the traffic starts up there? Rigetti says the project will have a few safety assurances in place, most of them standard. There will be uh, additional signs and, and speed limits. We'll be able to stripe and delineate lanes. Um, there's going to be a concrete V-pan that's going to be placed in there to help drain out that section before the mine where it is the widest. Despite many questions remaining about the project scope and final details, commissioners all voted in favor of the paving project and of covering its roughly $500,000 price tag with a grant from the Colorado Department of Transportation. Personal trainers, tennis coaches, paragliders, or youth camps may soon need to pay to use Town Park. But this is uh, an area of usage in Town Park that has not been regulated previously or under different uh, or under existing uh, regulations such as rentals for facilities or use agreements with different recreation clubs and camps or special events. That's Stephanie Jacquet, Director of Parks and Recreation for the town of Telluride, speaking at a Parks and Recreation meeting this week. Parks and Recreation staff is recommending administering a fee for commercial use in the park. Here's Ryan McGovern, Recreation Facilities Manager for Telluride. Uh, What we're defining as commercial use is an operator who provides a service to the general public Uh, which takes place at least in part in the Telluride Town Park. Uh, Again, we're only focusing on Town Park at this point and are undertaken for a results in compensation, monetary gain, uh, benefit or profit to an individual organization or corporation. He notes camps, clinics, classes, guiding, private events or schools are examples of what commercial use could look like. Staff recommends a fee of $250 per year to use the park commercially. McGovern adds Parks and Rec could distinguish who the permit fee applies to. So we could do nonprofit versus for-profit, who's being served. Some examples here, youth versus adult, regional versus non-regional, types of services provided, and frequency of use. A lot of the policies that we reviewed and kind of coming up with our general framework here Uh, usually had a a minimum threshold in which this policy, you know, so like less than once a quarter, this policy didn't apply, two or more uses per quarter, uh, the policy would apply. Jacquet and McGovern note the goal of the program is not to make money, but rather have more information and regulation on who's using the park. Parks and Recreation Commission member Teddy Errico agrees. And I won't call it something as silly as unregulated growth, 
But as Telluride is growing very quickly, we're going to run into conflicts that are going to create big headaches, mostly for staff. And the attitude of, well, he gets to do that. Why can't I do it? I want to do it at that time and all that stuff. So we've got to start to corral people in some type of agreement and and whatever the financial compensation is, it is, we can gradually tweak that over time. But we have to start getting a handle on this before it blows up and becomes a little bit more, you know, let's face it, angry, unorganized, you know, you, you know, pick it. And Jacquet highlights the commercial fee will not cut back on individual or passive use of the park. One thing I want to just emphasize is that we don't, in creating a new policy and permit and fee, we don't want to offer exclusive use to these groups because that will draw back from public use, passive use, everything that is already coexisting. Um, So it's not giving more exclusive use and entitlement for use of property. The commission is in support of the program, but isn't fully comfortable with for-profit, non-profit, or youth programs all paying the same fee. Staff plans to come back with a proposal that has a range of fees based on type of commercial entity using the space. The town aims to implement the fee program for this summer. The Parks and Recreation Commission will need to vote on the program before it is put into place. San Miguel County is working to create a new development roadmap for the east end of the county with an east end master plan. The current master plan for the area was adopted in 1989 and is due for an update. The county is looking for input from the public next week through community open houses. According to the county, the open houses will be an opportunity to review and provide feedback on the draft plan themes and goals, learn more about demographics and regional growth analysis, and hear about survey results. All with a goal to hear what's most important for people in eastern San Miguel County and to help form the vision for the region's future. The East End Master Plan is a roadmap to guide the community towards its shared vision and future goals. The East End Master Plan Community Open Houses will take place on Tuesday, March 21st at the Wilkinson Public Library. There will be one gathering from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. and another from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. If you don't know how to play, mahjong can be hard to fathom. Players sit with tiles in front of them, each with a colorful pattern. They then move the tiles into different orders, grabbing new ones from a stack in the center. For those who don't know how to play, but would like to, the Wilkinson Public Library will be hosting a Mahjong in the Morning event next week, so members of the community can learn the basics. The event is designed for new players, or those who already know how to play and are looking for a cozy setting to get in a game or two. There will also be free coffee and snacks. Mahjong in the Morning will take place at the Wilkinson Public Library from 10 a.m. to noon on Tuesday, March 21st. Registration is required and available at telluridelibrary.org. The Colorado House of Representatives approved a bill on Wednesday that would expand protections against eviction. It would mandate exactly when a landlord has the right to evict a tenant. Bill sponsor Serena Gonzalez-Gutierrez says evictions have far-reaching consequences. When families lack stable housing, the entire family's health and well-being is impacted. Without safe and stable housing, kids struggle to learn in school, employment is difficult to secure and maintain, and health outcomes plummet, and so many other negative factors emerge. The bill would allow for evictions if a property needs to be demolished or renovated or is being used as short-term or transitional housing. 
It also allows evictions if a landlord wants to sell a property or let a family member move in. All House Republicans opposed the measure, saying it will unfairly burden small landlords. Seven Democrats also voted against it. Poor mail service in some Colorado communities is prompting local and federal backlash against the Postal Service. KOTO's Lucas Brady-Woods reports U.S. Senators John Hickenlooper and Michael Bennett met with Postmaster Louis DeJoy last week. Colorado's mountain towns have experienced chronic mail delays and long post office lines for months. Senator Hickenlooper says communities are being deprived of an essential service. It is not acceptable for communities in Colorado or any state to have to wait weeks to get their mail. This is the 21st century. Hickenlooper says staffing issues, lack of affordable employee housing, aging infrastructure and underfunding have hobbled the post office in rural areas. But he also says he's disappointed with the response from Postmaster DeJoy. DeJoy has not presented a timeline or specific solutions for improving service. Several Colorado towns, including Steamboat Springs, Crested Butte, and Buena Vista, have filed a lawsuit against the USPS over the mail delays. I'm Lucas Brady-Woods in Denver. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for scattered snow showers tonight with a low around 15 degrees. Friday, snow showers are likely, with a high around freezing during the day and a low around 10 degrees at night. One to two inches of snow accumulation is possible. Saturday, expect mostly sunny skies with a high in the mid-30s. Saturday night should be partly cloudy, with a low around 10. This has been the news for Thursday, March 16th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. We would like to thank everyone who has donated to Kodo during our winter fund drive. A huge thank you to Sal Biratella, Tobin and Ann Brown, Redalio Della Fioria, Diane Ellum, John and Carlotta Horn, Kurt Hughes, Harold Hugh Malloy II, Clifford Pastor, Joseph Pico, Wanda Post, Mary Beth Mueller and Jonathan Tuckman, Seth Wetterfield, Jason and Kathleen Merritt, Lou Mintz, Lisa Foxwell and Paul Finley, Ginny Fraser, Jake Burns, Kevin Cooney, Becky Cullen, Simone Florney, Grace Paschini, Will and Hilary Thompson, Thomas and Donna Stone, Betsy Rowbottom, and Gretchen Treadwell. Thank you all so much. And now, personal commentaries. Choral Society presents Spring Sing 2023 on Saturday, March 18th at 7 and Sunday, March 19th at 4, both at Christ Church. If seasons were personality types, winter might be an introvert. Most definitely, though, spring is an extrovert. And our songs this year reflect it. 
spring, the season of light or rebirth, days getting longer, flowers are flowering as the air warms, what better time of year to sing Amazing Grace, the incredible gospel number The Storm is Passing, and the beautiful Du Reflet Ubi Caritas, which you heard a little bit of. And consistent with spring's energy, We'll be starting this year's spring concerts with an energetic surprise. Spring dances, spring plays, spring comes alive. And the program that Hal Adler and Elizabeth Forsyth have created celebrates all things spring. As has been our wonderful tradition of singing with our youth choirs, this year's full Telluride Choral Society's number is called Wanting Memories. Written and sung by Sweet Honey in the Rock, it's the story of someone finding peace as they reconcile the loss of a loved one. It's a beautiful reminder that the ones we love are always with us. We're so excited to sing this for our audience, and the fact that we get to share this wisdom with the kids' choir and our audience is pretty amazing. Susan Ensor will accompany on piano, and Dan Malloy will do percussion. So come join us, the Telluride Chorale and the Choristers, on Saturday, March 18th at 7, and Sunday, March 19th at 4, both at Christ Church. Tickets are at the door. And thank you, Kodo. This is Ginny Fraser from the Choral Society. For more information, call Sandy McLaughlin at 970-519-0081. And do check out Susan V. Brock's site. Tell your ride inside and out. Hey there, Kodo listeners. It's Sarah Holbrook from the Pinhead Institute bringing STEM education to Telluride and our surrounding region of rural southwestern Colorado. I have some cool science stories for you today. Um, the first thing is, I'm sure you've heard about black widow spiders for some time now, and it turns out now there's brown widow spiders, and they are winning the fight for your attic and garage. This is a new study uh, that's been written about in the New York Times Science Times, but it was published Monday in the Annals of Entomological Society of America. And biologists found out that young brown widow spiders have the dramatic tendency to seek out and kill their American cousins. Isn't that interesting? Another kind of interesting animal science story is that a new group of scientists have started to do genetic testing for the dogs that live around the nuclear power plant in Chernobyl, Ukraine. Um, You know that disaster that leaked um, radioactivity in 1986. Now there's a population of hundreds of free-ranging dogs that live in the area. And the first uh, DNA testing has suggested that the dogs of Chernobyl are genetically distinct. But there has to be more studies to do um, to show whether these distinctions are um, coming out of the breed or are allowing those dogs that already have that genetic distinction to thrive in an environment such as uh, Chernobyl. So lots of interesting things going on. Um, I just got back from the South by Southwest conference in... uh, Austin, Texas, and there were lots of interesting tech uh, conference talks that I attended, including one that was mapping solar radiation and giving it tones, um, which was just so fascinating. Rather than images of, say, black holes, etc., you could actually hear what sounds they were making through a distortion of radio waves, which I found fascinating. Um, hey, some really fun things coming up. 
Pinhead judges are going to be helping judge the sixth grade science fair that's happening this Friday at the library, open to the public from one to three to observe. It's the sixth graders from the Telluride Intermediate School who are um, displaying their science fair um, displays. And uh, Pinhead and the library are providing judges stop on by, learn a little bit about some science. It's a fascinating time and super fun. Um, we also have availability in Pinhead classes coming up after April break. Both Mad Labs and Lego Junior spring sessions still have space for enrollment. So if you want to know more, go on pinheadinstitute.org. And this is Sarah Holbrook signing off. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Koto. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.